Hola. This is a podcast for those people that are always feeling like they're in the middle. People that struggle with the many dualities of this world. Coño. Because we aren't just one thing. We are multifaceted and complex. I am Sharon Cox, and you are listening to Look Who's Tucking. Hola, welcome back to Look Who's Tucking. If you are new, sean muy bienvenidos. I am your host, Sharon Cox, and today we are talking to Majesty Divine. Everybody must bow to the Majesty. Uh, she is a drag <laughs> entertainer in Huntsville, Alabama. She is the CEO, the creator, the cleaning lady, and pretty much anything that has to do with uh, the Drag Queen Mafia, a production company that creates events in the Huntsville area. And their tag is, we ride and die together, darling. How are you doing, Majesty? I'm doing fabulous. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It is such a pleasure to have you here. You are a staple in the Alabama dry community, and I absolutely love well, you, you. And I am so glad that you're here. Um, we'll go into a little bit because we have some experiences that we share in the past couple of years, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. But first, I would like to get to know you. So what is the origin of your drag name? Okay, so <laughs> my sister-in-law, who I love dearly, realized I was gay long before anybody else, before I told anybody. And she used to go to Montevallo University, and she worked with an organization called SAFE, Sexual Acceptance for Everyone. And they did a kind of a summit of gay leaders from other universities and everybody. So I was just helping her. I was, I was running the food. Like I would, when they had to have lunch, I would get everything set up so I could mm -hmm. serve. And so everybody who was kind of helping be an attendant, she made t-shirts for, and on my shirt, she put Miss Majesty. And because she said I was the bossy bitch, I was like, okay, I can do that. But she put, um, misunderstood picture on it uh -huh. because yeah, I hadn't yeah, yeah. started doing drag yet and so that stuck like after that everybody started calling me Miss Majesty and I was like yeah I can deal with that I like that <laughs> um but then Halloween one year I wanted to be I wanted to do something different and my friend was like oh 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 do divine do divine and I was like okay like but I had never done drag. I'd never done makeup. I'd never done mm -hmm. hair. And so a friend of mine who worked at Matt was like, I'll do your makeup. I've got you and I can find you a wig. So he sat down with me and for about three hours made me look like Devon. Wow. So there's a Polaroid floating around somewhere. Further down the road, John Waters came and signed a book in Atlanta. And I was in Atlanta and the bookstore, you had to pay. I think it was like $10 to get your book signed. So mm -hmm. I stood in line to get a book signed and I showed him the Polaroid. And he was like, oh, wow, that's a really good divine. I was that's like, well, awesome. I was like, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna start doing drag. He's like, well, what's your drag name? I said, right now it's Miss Majesty. And it was like, oh, well, it could be, you know, Miss Majesty Divine. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I, that's a sign from God. I'll take it. Um, so but John Waters that, pretty it, much named you. <laughs> well yeah well he put the he put the last name on because i didn't know yeah, he put the little the, the little time. ding on it <laughs> yeah but then it started you know it kind of caught on and <laughs> funny story about the name 
I did Miss Gay Pride in Birmingham mm -hmm. um, right after the Pride Committee had kind of incorporated. We were still doing them out at the park, but there were, I was on the Pride board, but there was nobody, nobody had entered uh, Miss Gay Pride that year. And the Pride president and somebody else said, well, we need some contestants. And they were like, why don't you do it? So I'd never done a pageant. I had only done like the talent show once or twice. I put together a talent. My talent was actually because I'm a blonde by Julie Brown. And I had mm -hmm. this big microphone that I got from Fisher Price. Like it was an exaggerated microphone. I had a, a big girl swimsuit with a little skirt around it. Uh -huh. It was polka dot. And I got some sunglasses. So presentation, I will, I did not know what presentation was. So I put on a pantsuit. And so I did my presentation. She was ready for interview during presentation. Yes, that's what it was. <laughs> and then evening gown came out there. And so I put my evening gown on. And of course, it was ankle length. It didn't go anywhere near the floor. Oh, um, I looked a big shitty mess. But then, like, as this is backing up, like, when we got there, like, we had no contestant. So the two people from the pride board that were like, okay, we'll do it. Because we couldn't just not have a pride pageant. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden, like 15 people showed up because they were told nobody was going to be in it. We, it was like the never ending drag show. It went from like seven o'clock. So there was to nothing to like a complete yeah. full on competition. Wow. But, so I'm going up against these drag queens who have done pageants and who are professionals and everybody mm -hmm. knows. And I get out there in my little beehive that I got from Party City that somebody teased out in this ugly tacky swimsuit. And I get out there and I'm doing because I'm a blonde, which is campy comedy song. Yeah, absolutely. All these other people are doing these like super serious numbers. And I won't say what staple of Birmingham got mad, but when they were looking at the roster. Drag her, so, drag her. <laughs> no, 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 I can't do it. I can't do it because we're friends now. But yeah, said to the pageant coordinators and everybody, I am not calling her your majesty. I am not calling oh? her your majesty. I'm like, well, first off, my drag name is Miss Majesty. <laughs> and you Miss can just majesty call me Madge. You. you can just call me Madge if you want. And was, she was so, like, she was so offended by my name. I was like, ooh, I've done something right. <laughs> Girl, but, it's drag. It is not that deep. I love it. I, I, know, love, I love that the but, drama was still also exactly the same. <laughs> but, but it was like, but it was, it was bullshit drama. Like, fast forward a few months where Al's now used to be called The King's Knight. Mm -hmm. And um, so fast forward to an audition and a friend of mine was like, well, why don't you go audition? And so audition night comes and the audition poster specifically said they wanted burlesque at, they wanted things that were out of the ordinary. So I got a song by Ella Fitzgerald called Angel Eyes. I put on a silver sequin dress. I got my fan. I got my little microphone stand and it's a very slow, elegant mm -hmm. song about being the life of the party but then at the end of the party you're still alone and so i did my Ooh. number and it was old like it was ella fitzgerald and all these young queens are going oh he's bad that's my grandmother doesn't even listen to that but then all of the older queens in the back they felt came, fr came from that back bar and started tipping me during an audition. So they got into it and then the owners of the bar got into it and they were like, that's gonna be your niche. You're gonna do old Marlena Dietrich. You're gonna do 
uh, Greta Garbo. You're going to do those old Pull into the heartstrings. That's that was that was your job to, to just get the emotion. And so I did, and it was fun. And then that's where I started. But then it just kind of snowballed from there. Like I loved being on stage, mm-hmm. and I loved being able to tell a joke and make a point, and people laugh about it, even though it was a really serious point. People laughed about it, and then they gave me money. So I was like, "Well, shit, I want to do this some more." I love it. But that's how that started. That's how er- that's how everything got started. Everything and started, name, and then my name stuck. The Miss Majesty stuck because shortly thereafter, I started writing again for the paper under that name oh i did not Uh, know that so i wrote uh, an op-ed like an an editorial of what was going on in birmingham and it was like you know so-and-so league had a bowling party these people came it was fun i also wrote what it was like to be in just out of the closet at like 27 years old Mm -hmm. but out of the closet but still in the closet yeah yeah. because my work didn't know my family didn't know (laughs) Um, which I accidentally outed myself to my entire family because I emailed my article that was supposed to go to my editor and I accidentally emailed it to everybody in my family. Oh, no. And it was about me auditioning for the King's Night and being hired on a cast. And our cast was called The Dream Girls. And it was it was fun. And from that point forward, I moved forward. That's also where I met my sister, Ashley Rose. And Felicity was that audition. That audition kind of brought us together. So the universe was doing something right. Correct, correct. And and that that leads us into the next question about drag family. You and I have that connection uh, with Mama Ashley. She was um, one of my first mentors when I first started doing drag. She's gone too soon. But um, tell us a little bit about that dynamic, the the, the sisters, the sisters of sin, correct? Sisters in sin. In sin, not of sin. You guys are in in, deep inside of the sin. (laughs) Yes. If if you abbreviated this, S-I-S, sisters in sin. The King's Night audition. I have never been a tiny drag queen. Mm -hmm. I've always been a big girl. And I was, I was actually, I was a lot bigger at that point in my life. And so, and you know how it is. You've been in a bar where people don't talk to the fat girl. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And and I'm not throwing shade to these people, but the audition was a lot of skinny, real girl, mm-hmm. twinkie boys in drag who and wanted the, to get on The stage. crazy part is that we think that's a new thing, but, you know, we see it. It's happened, you know, that they, they believe oh, yeah. that the standard is not, you know, it's, it has to be your... Your skinny girl, uh, it has to be your death dropping diva. Uh, nobody yeah. wants to mess, no one, nobody wants to do business with the comedy queens. And to add a little caveat in there, it has to be the cisgender white uh, yes. skinny girl. And so, and, and, and we see it, we see it more now, but I feel like that was, that was also that pattern it's was all, still it's then. It's always been that way. Because yeah. that audition, there were no queens of color. There was one Latinx queen um, who actually didn't stay for the audition. She took a look around and Who's nobody like, was talking. <laughs> well, she was talking to her. Like, oh, I gosh. talked to everybody and I, I went and said, hey, I introduced myself. Then I went and got a cocktail. And then I went to try to find some place to sit. And honestly, it was like looking around the lunchroom in high school. I, I found a place to sit and I'm sitting by myself and I'm watching everybody audition well so this big girl because you know mom ashley was tall and she was big <laughs> yes so she walks up there in a black velvet dress mm-hmm. boas all over it um she loved her boas and 
<laughs> and then this huge hat that was feathered and she had rhinestone jewelry on and she did Hey Big Spender and Fever. I think she did Fever into Hey Big Spender. And I am sitting there watching going, this bitch is grand. <laughs> oh my God, she's got to be like super into it, wealthy queen. Like she's got sugar daddy setting her up and she gets off stage. Um, her and Felicity already knew each other. And then Felicity gets on stage and does share live. She's just walking in Memphis. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, audition in, uh, Georgetta Byrne, uh, Z Jones, and a couple of people come out on stage. And you know, Georgetta, she's like, all right, y'all sit down. You're going to, we're going to have some, we're going to interview y'all. Hey, baby, sit how down. you doing? Yeah, sit down. So, <laughs> just like that. So Georgetta's calling people back one at a time. And I'm just sitting, sitting there by myself and nobody's talking to me. I'm like, I'm just going to have a good time. So I'm, I'm drinking. Yeah, we didn't have cell phones to sit there and play with. So I actually yeah. have my book with me. And a book? Up. So intellectual. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if I told you the title, I mean, it wasn't really. <laughs> it, was it was a dirty book. It was a dirty oh, book. Oh, a dirty a book at a gay uh, club? <gasps> a, a pirate on the cover with no shirt on. And like, anyway, and she's like, why are you sitting alone? And I'm like, well, there's nobody talking to me. And she's like, girl, they don't ever talk to big girls. Why don't you come over here? And she took me over and said, this is Felicity Devalange. I'm Mom Ashley. Um, and we started talking. And then, you know, when we got called back for the interview, I think Felicity got called back first. And we're sitting there, we're drinking. And it could have been a very negative situation, but the defense mechanisms kicked in and we were having a good time. And all of a sudden, we were the only ones laughing and having a good time where everybody else is just like nervously panicking about, are they going to make one of these two casts? Well, then the owner comes out, says, who's on what cast? And me and Ashley and Felicity were all on cast. And you heard all of these little bitty queens moment, fat bitch, how'd she get on this? She didn't do anything. She stood there and lip synced into a microphone, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, oh my. from that point, Ashley lived out in Birmingham. And when she did drag, she couldn't get back and forth. She didn't have a car at the time. So... After a while, she just stayed at my house. If we had shows, she just stayed at my house. And then Felicity would come hang out. And then we'd go, then we'd go terrorize the quest or 729. <laughs> or we'd go to our bar where, you know, I'm not saying we got to drink for free, but, you know, the bartenders did love us. Um, <laughs> Ashley and Felicity were always there to push harder, mm -hmm. to elevate what you were doing. And we did we weren't like a regular drag family where we all had the same last name. Right. So I didn't have a drag mother. Ashley didn't have a drag mother. Felicity sort of had a drag mother. We, we became that support system for each other. And when life got tough and everybody else was gone, they were always there like for the last 25 years. Yeah. And it like when we didn't go home for Christmas, we went to Ashley's house. The way Mama Ashley always made you feel cared for. Oh. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. She, she did. She, she was always a big pillar to everybody that she loved. And, and not, not only that, but emotional, it, but yeah, that's, that's something that I really miss. Yeah. And it was one of those things where when you felt like you had nobody, she was there and she yeah. was there with, with, even if it was just a little word on Facebook or a text message, she was always there. So we're going to, we're definitely going to miss her. Yeah. Um, 
but but her teachings and uh, the memories of her food will stay with us. So uh, we I mentioned at the beginning of the episode that you and I have a share experience. Yeah. Uh, one, one of the things that I love the most about you is that you use your platform not only for the spotlight or the fun or the drag or whatever it can bring you, but you do it because you want to help the community. That's one of the reasons why I started doing drag, um, even though it was fun and it was, you know, I said, this being myself, I oh, yeah. love yeah. being on stage but I wanted to have a platform. And so that's one of the things that I love about you is that you not only help your, your immediate community, the LGBTQIA community, but you also extend that to animal lovers, to kids, to, you know, and, and tell me a little bit about how, how does that fit into, into who majesty is and how did that start? Um, Cause I, I know you're a teacher. So definitely the love for kids yeah. is there to be able to nurture them and help them and, you know, get their brains going. So tell me a little bit about how does majesty fit in into your benefit work and what you do for the community. Yeah. When I was younger, my grandfather would tell me when we would start something or do something, he said, always start with an intent or mm -hmm. intention. Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand what that mean, meant. And he and I asked him one day, um, because he always was doing something for somebody. But he said, always start anything with your intention and put it out to the universe. Mm -hmm. So when I started drag, my intention was to help raise money for Pride, for Central mm -hmm. Alabama Pride. That's one of the reasons I started doing it. I would perform for booking fees. But then when anybody needed somebody to work for a benefit, I was like, I'll do it. I'll yeah. do it. Because a lot of a lot of queens, and I'm not, this is no, yeah, everybody's got to do what's right for them. Mm -hmm. Preface this. Um, a lot of queens won't do it. They're like, Absolutely. Well, I'm not going to do another, yep. I'm not going to do another benefit. And that's their prerogative and that's their right. But then it's also my right to do as many as I need to or want to until we get what we need. Right. Well, then I moved from Birmingham to take care of my grandmother. I noticed when I was taking care of her that I didn't get booked in Birmingham as much as I did. So I had to find something else to do. Well, that's where I started working with kids. Mm -hmm. Like I love read. I used to love, I still love reading stories to my nieces and nephews. Well, the kids, the parents who have, the gay parents who have kids needed an outlet so when they would go to one of the local front gay friendly churches, I would do a story hour. That turned into a few kids to a bunch of kids. And then it turned into something else. Then I got my, then when I completed my education, well, I didn't complete it. I'm still working on a doctorate. When I got further in my education, I found how books could really help kids. Mm -hmm. And we talked about that a little bit. Books that kids are read or that they read, that are read to them or that they read, excuse me. Um, need to reflect who they are. Mm -hmm. Like they need to see themselves in that book. So I looked for books that reflected the kids that I was working with, that I saw in my classroom that, you know, didn't have. I remember I when I moved from Birmingham, I moved to a very rural school that was 40% Hispanic, about 5% African-American, and the rest was white. Mm -hmm. And like very rural. I, I'm just gonna say redneck. It's a very redneck school. Sounds like my high school. Uh, <laughs> well, the first child family that had two moms, it oh my god, you would have thought there was porn plaster 
across the school building because everybody was talking about it like it was just like how end of the world right <laughs> yeah and those kids were in my classroom and I was like I didn't know how to say I don't care I don't care mm-hmm. like that's that's your family I'm going to treat you with respect I'm going to treat them with respect so I didn't have a way I could say that and not get in trouble with my boss so I went and got Heather has two mommies Tango makes three I got all these kids books and I strategically placed them in my room to where when the kids who were LGBT were over by my bookshelf they would see them and then I didn't have to come out and say okay it's safe to be gay in here I put an HRC since I'm a math teacher the equal Mm -hmm. sign the HRC equal sign all those dumbasses thought that it was a math sticker, but the gay kids <laughs> not bamboozling exactly, the straights. I love it. <laughs> the gay kids knew exactly what it was, and then rainbows started showing up in my room. So, so I was still very covertly doing what I do, mm-hmm. um, teaching, which was you know being a safe space for kids. But then I I got my counseling degree and I moved from teaching middle school to being an elementary school counselor. Well, I had trans kids. I had second graders who knew in second grade that they were Mm non-binary and and they were able to articulate it. That's where I really started working with kids is when I started that elementary um, because the easiest way to get through to them is to read them a story. And so while they're thinking about the story, they one one little girl said that's just like me they, and I, representation I was, yeah being yeah, able to see themselves I was, and i was reading them i am jazz mm-hmm. um, that's where i kind of got the idea of bringing story time to more of a more of a crowd more of an audience and then i i toyed with it for a while but i was afraid of you know the backlash that libraries were getting the horrible thing like there were there were bomb threats for libraries. So I started following, and this is, these events are intertwined. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I started following a rescue, a dog rescue organization called Hard Knocks Rescue and Training. Every time they posted a new pet that they had for adoption, I shared it. I would comment on it. When I found out they were trying to keep their lights on, I contacted the person who started it. And I said, look, I can do a drag brunch at so-and-so bar they're willing to do a a buffet style and you can have the whole door I'll give you all of my tips if other entertainers want to give up their tips they can but I don't you know ask that you let them keep theirs we did that we probably had 35 maybe 40 people show up at the Mm -hmm. start of it by the end I think we had 70 and so we I I thought we raised about 350 dollars for them Mm -hmm. And then I gave them my tip. And then somebody wrote them a check for another 500. And today, at that point, that was the biggest fundraiser they had ever had. Mm -hmm. And I was like, cool, I want to be part of this. And so I told them, you know, whenever you want to do anything, let me know. Well, then they came up with the idea that they were going to do a dog calendar. Like the dogs they had adopted out, the dogs they had. And they were like, why don't you pose with the dogs and we'll do a, a majesty divine calendar of dogs. I love it. And, and I am, okay, so I'm very self-conscious. So I'm like, I am not going to pose for 12 pictures. 
So I started getting, <laughs> I, I contacted everybody I knew and I was like, we're going to, it's called drag goes to the dog and we're going to do a calendar. And we want to turn this into a yearly fundraiser where when the calendar is released, we have a big party and a drag show, then COVID hit. <laughs> and that shut all that down but you know I started going to the meetings I was talking to them when we were talking about fundraising I was like can I just be y'all official drag queen and it's really funny because they go um we really wanted to ask you but we thought that we were beneath you and that you wouldn't do it (laughs) I'm like bitch beneath me have you seen the shit I do so that's how that started with that but then I was like, well, we need to do a fundraiser since we can't do a big party at a bar. Why don't we do story time? Mm-hmm. I was like, because I had, I saw where Tennessee was trying to pull funding from a library because they host a drag queen story time. Mm-hmm. I was like, fuck that. No, hell no. We're going to do this. And I don't care who doesn't like it. I am strong enough. I have been 30 years in drag. I have been through some shit. I'm strong enough to do this. Now, I did not know it was going to go where it did. So we get ready to do our first one. They they put posters out. Um, we get coloring sheets of all the dogs. We make a coloring sheet of me. I pick out the book. I read The Boy with the Rainbow Heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I read some other pride books. And then I read some other dog books. But before we even got to the Drag Queen story time, it's the, there's a video. It's, it's on my TikTok. Mm-hmm. But my my math teacher TikTok, um, where Daniel Russ and his Handmaid's Tale wife um, under his eye, <laughs> he her fruit ain't blessed. I'm sorry, whatever pops out of that bitch needs to go back in. Oh, that fruit is rotted. It's not even good enough oh, for Aldi. Aldi wouldn't sell that fruit. Before yeah, before sorry. we go into that story, hold on. Before we go into that story, let's <laughs> that that that. Had me weak. Okay, so um, to tell you know, some some of the people that are listening might not know who Fred Phelps is, and what we're talking about today, we we're, we're getting to um talking about helping the community, doing it in drag, and finding that platform to you know reading reading to kids. And the reason why we're going to that is because we have, like I mentioned before, a share experience where we both have done that. We've done we both done have um drag queen story time. And uh, there is a group in Birmingham, Alabama, or not Birmingham, Alabama, Alabama, period. They travel all throughout the state of Alabama, um, doing the work inspired by, not the work, I'm not, I'm not, (laughs) they're doing, they're doing the work. They're doing work based off of what the Westboro Baptist Church did and and started. Um, So a little bit of background, they are uh, the Westboro Baptist Church. It's an American hyper-Calvinist hate group, which I love that that's how they have it on Wikipedia. And it's known for engaging in inflammatory, homophobic, and anti-American pickets, is what it says, and uh, as well as hating uh, hate speech against atheists, uh, Jews, Muslims, and uh, transgender people. All this pulled from Wikipedia, just to give my my footnote. There's... I can tell you more about them. Okay. They, they started, the founder is a Fred Phelps, which you mentioned earlier. And it's pretty much a family business. Like it's, it, they're all intertwined it's and it's a cult. So the, the members of this so-called church are all grandkids. Married daughters, into it. And they're married into it. 
Um, so this group, Mr. What's his name? Daniel uh, Rusk. Daniel, Daniel Rusk. He, how did I forget? I Googled his name so many times for like three consecutive Lord. months trying to figure out information about him. He decided to uh, picket a, uh, a story time that BAO, Birmingham AIDS Outreach, was doing in Birmingham, Alabama. And yeah. they, uh, I, I don't even know if they were there. To be completely honest, there was a group of people who had signs at the at the BAO drag queen story time that I was um, reading to the kids for. And I went out there and this lady started talking about how I was possessed by a demon and uh, she was holding onto the onto the fence and saying, let her go or let her go, which I was like, thank you for yeah. uh, using the right pronoun. Uh, <laughs> let her go, you demon. You were possessed by this and by the devil. And um, I was trying not to be Sharon because Lord. if anybody knows Sharon, I would have just like oogie boogie and just blah, 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 and made her feel more uncomfortable. But I just offered them water and I went back into yeah. the building um, and we were trying to distract them so the parents could leave through the other side. So the kids did not have to see this hateful act. Fast forward to your drag queen story time. And uh, I'm going to let you tell the story and how it ties me into it, because it's it's just it's just poetic. It's, justice. it's so <laughs> weird. Oh, my God. OK, it's so, poetic. so we do the first fundraiser for Hard Knocks Rescue and Training and we're getting everything ready. And all of a sudden, like my Facebook is blowing up my phone. I'm getting notifications. This is maybe a week before beforehand. Mm-hmm. a few days maybe five days so i i start checking my messages and people have sent me links to these people's facebook pages and my picture is all over it your picture is all over it your mind you i was not that, involved in your in your story yeah, time, yeah. but somehow my picture uh, ended up there holding a baby that's crying and i think it, i think that picture is actually from a brunch you did no it was because, actually from the drag queen story time so it was from okay, the drag queen story time that i did yes and so okay. this baby it was a, a friend of mine they brought their baby yeah. um and their their toddler loved the, the the story time but when i went and held the baby the baby was having none of it. So the baby started oh, yeah. crying. And that's the photo that the mom As babies do. As babies do, <laughs> yeah. because it's normal. So that's the that's the uh, the picture that the mom take, and she posted it on Instagram. So I go through, and these people that I do not know, I have never had any interaction with them, are calling me a pedophile. They're saying mm-hmm. grooming kids. I'm, I'm a sex trafficker. I mean, they call me all these things. It started to really piss me off. So I do a little more, I, do, I dig a little bit more into who they are. And I find out that these are the same people who stand in front of the free women's clinic in mm-hmm. Huntsville and scream these horrible things. Yep. Um, they hold signs that say, God hates America. God hates fags. You're a baby killer. Like I drove over there one day because I didn't know who these people were and mm-hmm. I needed to see them for myself because they were calling me out. And I, I almost wanted to go and drag, but I think that would have ended really bad. <laughs> um, so I drive up and I met by all the escorts and I tell them who I am, and they're like, hold on, and they take this woman. Now, mind you, while they're taking this woman from her car to the door, the Rusks are Mm -hmm. screaming at her, calling her a murderer, and so I asked, I said, hon, what are you here for? 
She's like, it's prenatal care and it's free. I'm trying to have a baby. And I'm like, so wow. they don't even have the right story, but they're still they're gonna know. So I I learned who they are and I I talked to the escorts there. And I was like, I want y'all to come to my next show. I've I've got your I've got your cover. Fast forward a little bit. I'm getting ready to do story time. Then they start stepping up their threat. And they, the Rusks, never come out and threaten you. They won't, they very legal, technical. It's crazy how smart they are for, for, yeah. for, for, for hateful idiots, how smart they are to get away with stuff. But then they won't do it, but they'll encourage their followers to do mm -hmm. it. And most of it, I just let it roll off because it was directed to me. Then one of their followers said, I've got felony charges. I'll take my M16 in there and I'll show that tranny fucker what, what's for. And I'm like, okay, that 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 crossed that the line. was yeah. my breaking point. And I called the the people from the dog rescue and I asked them, I said, this has got me a little worried. And they're like, we're not worried about it. We're not afraid. Then about four days before the story time, Daniel Russ goes to where the Low Mill Art Center is the old Low Mill Cotton Factory here in Huntsville that has been turned into artist studios and it's an artsy place. He walks in, finds their offices, and he's screaming at her saying she's not fit to, to take a dog and that she's a pedophile. And She's enabling pedophiles and just on and on and on, screaming at this poor receptionist. Like, are you, because he kept asking, are you the one he's having the story time? She's a receptionist. Like, why are well, you bothering her? She answers phones. He does this and he finally leaves and he leaves. He's like, he calls on God to burn the place down and oh, God. covenant and all this. And his wife is recording the whole thing. Like this woman, Mary Russ, is recording her husband terrorizing a 20-something girl sitting behind mm -hmm. a desk. So that tells you everything you need to know about You need her. to know about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They leave. The threats start pouring in. Low Mill has them trespassed off the property. They're no longer allowed anywhere on the property. If they come back, they'll be arrested. Well, they told their followers to infiltrate Drag Queen Storytime. That's where I started to get worried. My husband, who has horrible social anxiety, mm -hmm. he, he does not do crowds. He was worried for my safety. It, he wanted me to pull out and say, no, we'll do it a different time. But let's wait till it calms down. My attitude was no one is running me out of my house. Yeah. Never. Yeah. The sisters of perpetual indulgence, a guard and several of the sisters messaged. I did not know these people at all. I'd mm -hmm. never met them. Messaged me and said, this is who we are. We will be in sister face and we will be there to protect you. And then um, a police officer who is LGBT messaged me and said, I'll be there to protect you. These parents said, we'll be here. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what was supposed to be five or 10 kids reading and coloring turns into over a hundred people. One of the local bars where we do drag shows, I asked, does somebody know where I can get a sign that says erase hate in Huntsville printed cheaply? Because mm -hmm. I was going to go buy it. I was going to go get it. And she's like, I'll have it to you tomorrow morning. 10 o'clock in the morning, the day of, like she has gone and paid for this huge vinyl sign that says erase hate it's on my instagram then other drag queens start showing up anastasia torres kirsten orlando other like start showing up and they're like we're here we got this if somebody gets out of line 
We got this. You Anastasia, go can, Anastasia can take somebody down. I'll tell you what. The day gets there and all these people show up. Seriously, as worried as I was when the sisters were there and when Anastasia stepped out and when all of these people stepped out, I knew I was, I knew we were safe. I knew yeah. it was okay. So Daniel Rust, and this is how you get involved. I walk out. She's got your picture. It says, this is that person over there that's abducting children and basically saying I'm eating them on a bun. Uh-huh. And I'm like, that's not me, you dumb fuck. Mind you, I, I am dressed in a rainbow wig. I have a seashell bra because I'm supposed to be a mermaid because that's how I was dressed for this kids for the story time that day. And wearing a mermaid tail, holding a crying oh. baby that they put a thought bubble on it and said, mommy, why are you letting her do this to me? That goes everywhere. And like everywhere. I, messaged, I messaged you later and, you know, somebody sent me, they were arrested in Birmingham. They've been arrested multiple times, but nothing ever to them. Nothing stick, and I don't know what it is, but I, I saw, okay, so mind you, when this happened, a couple of weeks later, maybe a month or so later, actually, more than a week, yeah. a video surfaces of an UAB student beating the living shit out of Daniel Rusk in UAB if I campus. Could buy her lunch, I would buy her lunch. If you um, are listening to this podcast and you are the young woman who beat the shit out of Daniel Russ, please contact Majesty Devon. She wants to buy you lunch. That made my... The only other video that gave me more pleasure is when they got arrested at Huntsville's Pride Parade. That was that, that was beautiful for I me. I have not seen that one, but I, the, the, the one of the young woman at UAB, like she, she took his sign, threw him on the ground, beat him up. Unfortunately, she went to jail for 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 that. But the beauty of it is a group of people just got together and paid her bail out. And she was out of the jail in less than an hour. Um, but, but but it's just I just to me, I just don't understand how can someone hate someone so much? And and the worst part of it is that it's done in the name of religion. Um, yep. I grew up in a Christian home. I did too. My uh, my Christian <laughs> my Christian upbringing upbringing is not the best when it comes to my sexuality and and my gender identity. But at the end of it, there is always love. At the end of it, there is yeah. always a if you are a true follower of whatever it is that you follow, there is love yeah. behind it. These people don't seem to have any of that. These people don't seem to respect, and and not just not just the Rusks, but uh, Westboro Baptist Church. I, yeah. I read an article where they were literally picketing veterans' funerals, and yep. it's like, don't you don't you realize that these families are mourning their their loved ones, and here you are because it's not just anti-religion, it's not just anti-gender, it's not anti-sexuality, yeah. it's anti-American, and and. Oh, yeah. and it's it's baffling to me. So what would be something in as a closing remark that you can give to to these young LGBTQIA kids that have to face this hate, not just from, you know, a, a group protesting one event or another, but daily, especially in schools. And, you know, we or look from at their like, families. Yeah. yeah, or from their families. And we look in the Trevor Project. Um, if you if you would like to go online on the trevorproject.com, you can find information on how high the suicide rates are in comparison from um, yep. uh, a gay kid to and um, to a straight kid and even more when you are a trans person or a trans person of color 
So what what advice as as a as a leader in the community, as a um, as an advocate for kids and for and for young adults all throughout the state of Alabama and doing everything that you're doing, what would be an advice that you can give them? One, know your facts. Make sure you have all of your resources ready. Have those resources online and ready and know where to find them. Two, be visible. Be visible. Be out there so people can see you. And mm -hmm. when you're visible, make sure you're accessible. Like, I, I'm not a huge social media fan, but I let everybody know, if you need to talk, reach out to me. Here's the Drag Queen Mafia website. Here's my Instagram. Reach out to me. Mm -hmm. And then if they do re reach out to you, you've got resources right there to hand to them. And the other thing is, is if they do reach out, don't talk, listen. Yep. Sometimes they don't need somebody to rescue them. They need somebody to hear them. And then tell them, you are valid, you are loved, and nobody can take that away from you. Mm -hmm. Nobody can tell you what your feelings are. You own them 100%. It, this is another thing that's on my wall. Make them repeat your pronouns till they get it right. Correct oh, yeah. them until they get them right. But then it, it can't just stop with us. When we're visible, we need to make sure our friends are visible. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things I loved about Ashley Rose was everybody knew mama. And everybody knew that if they showed up at a bar, they showed up at our place, they showed up at Pride, and they say, I need help, mama would get them help. Mama would find them help. So we need to do the same thing. We need to be accessible and visible and loud. We need to be loud when, when their hate is out there. We need to be loud yeah. standing against it and be accessible, be visible, and be an example. I mean, be the example, show the people what they can be. I would have given anything for, Char for a Charlie Brown when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. Charlie Brown was bold and daring and gave zero fucks what you thought. Mm -hmm. And we got to be the same way. We got to give zero fucks what people think. And we need to do the next right thing. Something Ashley used to say all the time, do the next right thing. Well, the next right thing for us is to be visible and accessible and have mm -hmm. real resources for these people when they reach out. The other thing is no matter how bad it gets, don't let, I don't know how to say this and I'm trying because it's not going to be profound, whatever it is. But we can't let their darkness diminish our light. No, I mean, that's, so, that's profound. That, I mean, that in itself, so, it's, it's... Because even the smallest match of the darkest mm -hmm. night lights up Creates something. Light. Yeah. Majesty, it has been a pleasure talking to you. It has Thank been a you. Pleasure. I appreciate it. And uh, can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Tuesday, I host Trivia at Fat Sammy's. Downtown Huntsville. I host a monthly brunch at the camp in mid cities in Huntsville. And I host shows at Maggie Myers. I also do birthday parties and a bunch of other stuff. If you go to the Drag Queen or Drag Queen Mafia on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok, but I also there are Drag Queen Storytime t shirts and hoodies for the Hard Knocks Rescue. So profits from those go to Hard Knocks okay. to pay for food and shelter and fosters. Thank you so much for being here with us. Oh, you're welcome. And uh, everybody, just make sure to uh, check out the Drag Queen Mafia so you can not only get your beautiful t-shirts, uh, but also to help the community as well as, um, as, as Majesty is doing. So thank you so right. much. Thank you, thank you, You're thank welcome. you, thank you. Ya que llegamos al end del podcast, remember to let me know what you want to talk about.
Let me know what topics and what you would like to hear in future episodes. So email me at lookwhostuckin at gmail.com and I'll be sure to talk about what you want to hear. Ha 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 